Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and this week attempt to answer some of your emails. already exceeded by my caffeine for today and it's it's 11 o'clock I've gone a bit heavy on the on the coffee and um it's that combination of, of feeling sort of euphoric but also a little bit twitchy <laughs> I don't I don't know if I like it I'm drinking out yeah. of one of my own mugs that I sell on my own e-shop as well though just oh my bit, god just was little... this all just a builder <laughs> I just to go... promote your own mugs <laughs> I thought I'd go in oh, heavy oh I have had quite a lot of coffee what, 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 do you, what do you drink coffee out of Johnny <laughs> did you just cup it in your hands like a caveman <laughs> no Rich no I, I, I use a mug what kind of mug well, it's funny you should mention that, Richard, because... Uh, is um, it? Is it? Yeah. It's uh-huh. it's one of my own car pervert mugs that sold in my own e-shop. And, uh, Goodness me, what what a lovely Christmas present for a, for a friend or family or yourself, even. That's a fantastic thought. I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't even crossed my mind. It could be good for a, for a workshop-related present. Oh, how marvellous. The, the thing is, unfortunately, Johnny, I don't drink coffee for a mug. I consume coffee by soaking it into a t-shirt and then sucking it out again i don't suppose you sell any t-shirts oh, it's you? funny you should say that i do actually sell t-shirts get away the black one for wringing coffee out because the white one would be in- instant ruination but no honestly i kid you not if you're not going to do that the one thing i don't sell is i don't sell the ears of a cat and i've drunk coffee from the ears of a cat many times the cat hates it you end up injured but it, if you turn a cat's ear upside down, it is a drinking receptacle. I can't cope. I can't yes. cope with this level of strangeness. Like, I've got a terrible hangover and I'm struggling as it is, to be honest. You know I'm not really drinking at the moment. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm generally not drinking booze. And last night I did drink booze and uh, oh no. the, the, results, the results speak for themselves. My my head hurts and I feel a bit queasy and I thought oh. I would fix this by going for a run and a run oh you all oh, that's so <sighs> you're already hydrated which is why your head feels like it's a shrunken raisin and yeah. then you're going to go for a run and then lose any moisture that you had yeah or yeah. the only the only way I mean I'm, I'm because of the time of year I'm pretty sure it's not going to have been a hot morning but I've done exactly a few times to try and remedy the wrongs and I've done it on like a hot summer's morning oh it's hard I I mean I don't want to be one of those sort of evangelists for not drinking because we all make our own choices but I have to say I I'd forgotten the misery of having a hangover quite quickly um, oh it's bad it's bad and, uh, and and how nice it is to wake up feeling fresh and not feeling fresh and we've run out of painkillers as well and my wife's equally crispy because <laughs> <laughs> homemade cocktails Chris, she got Chris. up at 5 a.m and ate a banana because she felt so rough and i was like that's not gonna help and she's like well that's... you're the man who just went for a run you dick so you two you've just done things that no hungover people I ever know. do woken up in the early hours for a banana i know what? I've got a hangover. I know what I'll do. I'll join the percussion section of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Oh, wait, no, that's not a good idea. Why would you do that, you idiot? Um, yeah, oh, so. I've got an idea. I'm really parched. So what I've done is I've got a hairdryer, opened my mouth, and I've switched it on. <laughs> <laughs> Every so often, now my mouth I just drop a little lovely. bit of silica gel into the jet of the hairdryer and blow it down my throat. My tongue Ooh. is now a Dorito. It's wonderful. I really oh, like. Yeah, it. just just a spoonful of salt every five minutes. That's really helping. Yeah. Have you did did you did you did you put a couple of tablespoons of salt into a bedside to a bedside <laughs> glass of water? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yes. Oh, tepid salty water. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I just uh, actually, if you if you feel like you you maybe had a little bit uh, too much strong drinking when you go to bed. 
uh, just to pour yourself a glass of um, of Brine. beef stock, yeah, <laughs> and just leave that. I have to say, really quenching. Where- when you're really, when you're really nastily hung over, and you're, and you know, you sort of have to close one eye in order to um, sort of function. <laughs> you know, it's that bad. I haven't, haven't been there for a little while. Uh, it was probably New Year's Day two years ago. It was probably the the last quite bad one. But um, I, I, it, it's that feeling of when, if you've ever been in a car where the oil light is flickering. Um, uh, and we're talking we're talking mostly like old knackers you know cheap cheap cars that well so it's not on all the time it just every so often it just just lets you yeah mm, yeah mm. that's right it's usually hot in traffic or if you go around a hard corner and the oil light gives you that gives you that little (laughs) wink to say you do know that i'm in a bad way don't you and you do know that you are punishing me you're being a bit of a bastard and you need to stop i've i've had that I've had mostly friends' cars, and I've gone, oh, what's, um, I've just noticed the oil lights come on, and they've just gone, nah, it's fine, it's fine. And you're I, thinking oh. to yourself, it's not fine. It's, it's, like, it's like me emptying my body of a lot of blood and then just sellotaping up the wound and then going for a run. It's not going to work, <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's like a woman I used to work with who, um, who, who essentially wrote off her old Peugeot 106 because it didn't have any oil in it. And um, oh, for the way she described it was she went, yes, that little oil can light had been on for a while. And then there was a noise. And it oh, basically, the engine she seized said, oh, on the M1. A while, a while. Yeah, a while. What the hell is a while? <laughs> I dread to think. I mean, I'm, I, I, I started to suspect definitely months. Seriously. I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd give well, that car the George Cross for bravery. I know. For soldiering oh. on, my brother's who obviously we spoke about him last time. He's a a mechanic he, with old cars. He said if the, he said by the time the oil light comes on in an old car, you've pretty much knackered it. Really? Yeah. So he says if if it comes on and you're driving at any great speed, you've got less than five seconds before it's just it's definitely damaged itself. Oh dear. But the thing is, is newer cars run mm. on better quality oil, more yeah. elastic oil, more you know better viscosity range. And the tolerances were better. So yes. actually, <clears throat> you can run. I mean, I've done it on fifth gear and other th- and Max Power. We did it once, where we ran cars on no oil to see what would happen, and you'd yeah. be surprised what they can cope with. Well, that um, <clears throat> General Motors Northstar V8 can run with oh, yeah. no oil for some distance, can't it? Because it's, um, I guess, for all the reasons you're saying, mostly down to tolerances and shizzle. But but it it, yeah. it, it just um, it just deactivates one bank. Of its cylinders, and then that's what I do when I have a hangover. <laughs> Deactivate one bank. I, I, one side of the four. brain stops working. It's um, it's, it's exactly <laughs> modern eco engine. It's like I'm sorry, the the side of the brain that involves adult thinking yeah, and it's, sensible it's choices that doesn't work at the moment. I'm really sorry about that. I apologise. Uh, my, my brain is effectively a V4 at the moment. <laughs> It is a V4. That's what those Eco V8s do, isn't it? They go to V4s. The Cadillac went to one bank and then alternated banks to keep itself sort of going. That's But yeah, an Eco V8 would go to V4 formation, so a bit lumpy, but ultimately okay if you're just cruising. So so hung over me, V4, um, until I've had some really soggy Marmite toast and some coffee with a really big spoonful of honey in it, and then suddenly the other bank might splutter in. (laughs) <laughs> I feel it'd be all right. <laughs> or you've pulled out, you've pulled over, and you've you've gone. I think I think this needs some super unleaded. I don't normally give it super unleaded, but I'm going to go 98 run today. Do you ever do that though? Do you, do you ever give uh, a car a tank of super, sort of as a special treat? Oh, I do a fuel present. It's completely fuel, fuel present. present. <laughs> it's, I totally. I've done fuel presents. I I tend to do it mostly because a lot of old cars. It, it, so depending on the timing and things, it doesn't really matter. But for example, mm. if I put super in the Dodge, it wouldn't care because it's used to running on like twelve run, and it already runs on ninety five. So <laughs> whiskey. Well, yeah, exactly. Whereas Japanese stuff, you know, like the Figaro, and I do actually give it the odd super, and it and, and I, it's 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 got to be placebo effect on a car like that, where it sort yeah. of goes, oh oh oh, thanks very much for that. That's really kind of you. Oh, whereas. Yeah, I have had cars in the past where it's definitely, and I'm sure you've had it, where you notice it's like, oh, yeah, come on then. Let's yeah. go a bit harder, shall we? Let's go for another round. Or conversely, um, I used to have that smart 
Roadster Brabus, and that was supposed to be run on Super. And oh, yeah. but you can't always get it, can you? It's just a bit of a pain, particularly back mm. then. This was a few years ago. It's very some places it's very hard to get Super, and um, and I always felt like it it didn't run as well on ninety five. That it was a bit grumpy. A it was bit. annoyed with you. Yeah, exactly. And again, yeah. it's, I'm sure it's purely psychological, Bobby. A bit like, oh no, I've angered it. It's having a strop now. Yeah, and some cars. Some 98 I mean, in it, it'd be like, wee, yay. Yeah, I mean, I know some race drivers and, you know, hot, hot pedalling journalists who probably drive on the limit a lot more than we. Mm-hmm. They they go, oh, yeah, you know, it's definitely V-Power. Or, yeah, it's definitely Tesco 99 or yeah. w- well, I, whatever. I run their my favorite 911 versions. on Super all the time. And I don't know if that's just... I sort of feel like it's the right thing to do. I bet your wife doesn't. No, she does because she's on strict instructions <laughs> to do it. And she knows. But then she, I've told you this before, I know, that she loves to wind me up. She'd be like, I'm on my way home, but uh, I'll be a bit later because I've got to stop for diesel. And she'd be in the Porsche and I'd go, no, 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 petrol, petrol, petrol. And she'd be like, yeah, I know, I'm just winding you up. But she'd get me oh, every time. I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool, I like every that. every time. She'd just... And then sweet, she'd, sweet woman. When Lovely. we still had a diesel-powered family car, she, she'd be like, anyway, I'm just going to stop for petrol. I'd be like, not petrol, not petrol, remember? And she's like, yes, I know. I know, I know, I know. Uh, where were we? Oh, no, hang on. Wait, we haven't finished some Plugorama because you, you were telling me about those delicious mugs and T-shirts that you're selling. Um, and I wondered, are there any other <laughs> items of merchandise? And from where could I buy them? Uh, if you go to the Late Break Show website, um, uh, there's a link through to my merch stand, which stand. is which is car <laughs> pervert stand. Yeah, it's, it's just, just me at the side of the road with a lay by on the A1. <laughs> I do burgers as well, really horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it's mostly uh, coffee mugs, caps, um, organic cotton t-shirts, and hoodies. Uh, but keep 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 tuned, folks, because uh, on the run to Christmas there might be some other types of merch. Uh, in fact, Richard, can I ask you? I heard a rumor about you selling peddling new wares. Can you inform? Why? Me that's of remarkable. What? You should bring this up, Johnny, because this very day my new book has gone on sale. Oh, is it today? Well, assuming people are listening to this podcast the day it comes out, then uh, yes. Um, but I mean, if they're not, I feel like if someone's I listening to this in like 2025, like... then then it's all good. Yeah. Anyway, um, assuming this is Monday the 30th of November, which is uh, when the show goes live, uh, it's also when my new book has come out. It's Boring Car Trivia Volume Two, which I've been it's threatening brilliant. for a while, and it's finally done. Um, <clears throat> and it's on sale exclusively through Amazon because it's done through there self-publishing platform it's available as a paperback or an ebook um i think it's nicer as a paperback for various reasons if i bought um, the paperback version would you be able to write something intimate in the first page for me (laughs) i've already printed something intimate in the front of every edition so um Okay, okay. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll sign your Thank, copy next time. I thanks for the preferential treatment, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, so just, it's, a, it's a, load of, um, a load of really arcane car facts all crammed together in a, in a slender volume. Um, this one, uh, people might have bought the previous one. I hope they did, because... Um, uh, they should have. I mentioned it enough on this show. Uh, the medium-sized book of boring car trivia was the first one and that had sections in it so there was a general section and then there was a design section and the media section stuff like that i've binned off the sections for the second one it's just a mad grab bag of stuff you never know what's coming next and what that means is the book is the same size as the first one but without any section dividers and stuff i've crammed in more facts so it's I about can't, I I I love these little nuggets and i i believe i saw i really enjoy the the cover cuz you you put a a screenshot of the cover of it. I was a bit worried. I, I wanted the cover I like to be it. quite boring, and I was a bit worried that it was too boring, and then I started to worry it wasn't boring enough. <laughs> you idiot. No, I, I wanted it to look like fine. a car manual. I wanted it to look like a sort of manual from a glove box of an old car, and I don't... And it's, It I, does. I, I, we were talking the other day about Cooper, the typeface Cooper, which yes. is very sort of redolent of the 60s or 70s. Um, and I've used that because I think it's just a really solid retro 
typeface and you can't go wrong with it and I I, I spent frigging ages trying to do a whole different cover which I wanted to look like an 80s car brochure like one of those sort of you know Ford and Austin Rover and people used to do brochures of their whole range aspirational people doing things yeah well they often just sort of yeah they'd have like maybe sort of the car but slightly cropped so it was just like the front three quarter of it or something on the front in next a, to a like statue nicely, yeah or a nicely a lit studio shot but it was supposed to look like it had sky behind it or something and i spent ages trying to mock up one of those and creating a, a generic looking 80s car in photoshop and um and, and then what happened i just decided it was shit so i stopped and i did the <laughs> i did the one the cover that it has um God, like I, in I about it, 10 minutes <laughs> really yeah well oh, no i now, wish axel rose had taken a leaf out of your book yeah with, the, with, with chinese revolution <laughs> or the stone roses second yeah. album lads let's just fucking do it um yeah i the the, the so the cover for people who haven't seen it um it's got a, a line drawing of a car dashboard on it and i like it it's, I like it a lot. It's, it's, it was based on a real drawing, but then I've monkeyed with it. So it's not. It's supposed to be generic. It's not supposed to look like any specific car. But I realised that this book is going to appeal to car nerds, and they're going to spot quite quickly the, the shape of the dashboard. They'll recognise um, what it is. So I've put a sort of Easter egg on the front that acknowledges for people who spot it what the basic dashboard template was taken from, even though... If you're a proper nerd, you'll also spot that all the controls are not accurate. You, you, you've gone in deep, and I, I know appreciate I really have. I've, Sorry, I've, and I've also <laughs> I, I love the fact that four word is done by Jeremy Clarkson. Oh yeah, I should have mentioned that earlier, shouldn't I? It's probably a better yeah, selling I think point that's than probably than, quite a good plug for that. Yes, you know, Jeremy has written me a short forward for it very kindly, um, and because uh, the last one had a forward by James May, so I thought, well, I'll ask Jeremy this time. And as someone on Twitter pointed out last week. Uh, I need to do a third volume now so I can ask Richard Hammond to do the intro. I was going to say, if you do a fourth book, you've got my number, mate, all right? <laughs> just, <laughs> just I, yeah, that's a good there. point. I should have asked you first because then... Uh, no, it's it's okay. I, I think you've got more history <clears throat> with uh, Clarkson, May, Hammond than, yeah. than I. And I, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, do you know, we were supposed to do this podcast all about questions from listeners and we're what 15 minutes in and we haven't done any yet we should <laughs> well, probably do that shouldn't we, we no, 17 yeah, minutes in it, or something like that. um yes we so we i well because i know i i read out some readers emails last week and um uh and uh, people seem to like that well you seem to like that certainly and i, I think a few people maybe might i don't know what's going on i'm sorry i, I, do, I, I don't know i don't know I don't broken know. my brain it's very much running on three at the moment so um what about yeah. if it was a three cylinder though then it'd be absolutely fine yeah but but it's not is it it's not no so what is your what is your what what, engine what is my is your brain? brain i don't what know. engine would your brain be <sighs> so, i mean sometimes it works quite well but is it a smooth brain or is it a bit lumpy oh it's a little bit lumpy sometimes yeah yeah mine is sadly i'd love it to be a really nice straight six but i don't think it is no it might be yeah it's on that note we've had quite a lot of good messages um picking up on the thing we were talking about last week uh, uh, singers as car engines or Mm. vice versa um which I'll get to in a minute because I'm going to have to find some of them. But talk to me, Terry uh, Tibbs. Um, uh, well, so uh, there's a I've had a, uh, a an email from uh, uh, Ashley James. Hello, Ashley, who says, "Hi, chaps. Just a quick question. On your most recent podcast episode, you were mentioning the TV series The Crine." Uh, he spelled it correctly, C R I N E. But he's put the crown in brackets after it, just in case. Like, in case we didn't. The really know. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I just wanted to ask if I was correct in thinking that most of the on road driving scenes were filmed at Millbrook. Um, and the answer is no. They weren't. The for anyone who's seen the crime, the, you might have noticed that there's it's a quite regularly in almost every episode. There's a bit where the royals are sort of driving somewhere or being driven, and and they always go down this sort of quite swooping, very wide section of road that doesn't quite look right. And it's um it's the Chobham test track, uh, which is now called Long Cross, isn't it's it? Now called Long Cross, yes, which yeah, is an old yeah. army testing place that it's uh, autocar go there a lot, don't they? And and I've 
filmed things there. I know you yeah. filmed things there. Back in the magazine days, <clears throat> used to do a lot of still photography there, pre-social media, etc. When I was on car, we used to use it, and but this was before it got used as a um, a studio. It's now quite a big TV uh, movie film studio. Yeah, and they do. Um, they've done some of the recent Star Wars stuff there, haven't they? Yeah, they've done weird stuff. They've done Marvel films. They've done Pirates of the Caribbean bits. They've done some mad shit there. But it's right I, by I, the M twenty five, isn't it? I know. You, you sort it's, of wouldn't know it's there unless you know. It's really close to Cobham, isn't it? Cobham, the name of the uh, there's Cobham and Chobham, basically it's, nice it's le- leafy Surrey, parts isn't it? Of yeah, Surrey. yeah. Leafy Surrey, lovely. Leafy, so frigging leafy. And and when I used to go there, when there when it wasn't used as a film studio, it was like an abandoned military village that used to be top secret for tank testing. And um, there was some sort of creepy buildings there which had biohazard signs outside. And there was one, I remember one that was like hot weather or extreme weather testing, extreme condition, temperature testing, do not go in, lots of big signs. And there was always two dead palm trees outside. I remember (laughs) looking at the palm trees going, is that like a hint to hot weather testing? Let's plant two palm trees. Oh, by the way, they won't survive because it's England. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't like Thunderbirds I, where they folded down to allow things to go in and out. Well, it's funny you should say that because there was a feeling of of sort of Thunderbirds about it, kind of downtrodden British Thunderbirds. And I did see... I did, <laughs> now on BBC Two, downtrodden British Thunderbirds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like the Ford Thunderbird was America's thing. and We had the what? The Ford console? Uh, or the, yeah, it was well, never I quite a Cresta. Oh. Cresta. <laughs> the Cresta was never quite the Thunderbird, was it? I mean, it was it was our Americanized thing of the fifties. But um, going back, uh, yeah, while the photographer was doing pretty still shots of whatever car we we had to shoot there, I would always sneak off because I knew I had a half an hour to waste. And there were some really mad buildings and some basements where I think they used to do blast testing and stuff. Oh, wow. And and this was pre-camera phones, pre-torches on a phone or anything like that. So if you didn't have a torch, you you were just very much in the dark. And I remember going down a flight <laughs> of <really>. steps. <clears throat> I remember going down, into a, down a flight of stairs and into pitch dark, and there was no electrics live in any of these army houses or buildings. And I quickly realised that the steps went down and down and down and down like like five houses depth so creepy creepy deep yeah and i i got the heebie-jeebies after about i don't know a hundred steps of just clutching <laughs> this handrail and i was like i don't know what's down here it's all <laughs> it's all ex cold war shizzle i'm not going down here oh, and man. uh yeah but i remember going into the tank in fact, hold on a minute. Let me just let me take my headphones off because I think I, I stole something from there. Hang on. Uh, you think you stole? Yeah. There's a sign on the door of my office that says "Keep out trial in progress, trials personnel only." <laughs> and uh, I'm going to put my headphones back on so I can hear you. I stole that sign from from there. I remember ah. stealing it. Uh, if they're listening, I didn't steal it. I uh, borrowed I bought, it. They can have I it back. It. I bought it. You can yeah. have it back. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's different owners now, so who cares? But yeah. yeah. But no, the track, the, the Long Cross track, is quite a weird, not very long track, mm. is it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how long it is. I'm bad at estimating distances, but I'm going to say a thousand miles. No, one mile. Uh, maybe somewhere <laughs> between. It's probably about two, two miles. I honestly don't know. It's not very long at all. I, I and, think it's not. And even it goes two round miles. and it's sort of yeah, and it, it kind of it's a bit uppy downy, and it's got some actually quite tight corners on it, and it goes sort of goes through the trees, and it's not. There's no runoff particularly, is there? So it's sort of it's not a good speed lapping track. It's it not really. a good. It's and it's typical of these sorts of kind of let's make it look like a normal road <clears throat> in Britain. Yeah. Um, if you're pressing on on these and I remember once having a moment luckily rescuing it you realize there's no runoff and there's lots of mature trees which are the enemy of a car right like trees yeah. don't give as yeah. we know from world rally you've got to be a really handy driver because you do not want to end up uh, above 100 miles an hour in a, in a cluster of oak trees it's not cool and actually I remember that one of the last times I was there we were filming something with the drone pilot and the drone pilot <laughs> The drone pilot was chasing this car that I was in, 
trying to get this shot and just yeah. totally got it wrong and went flat out into the trees. And I just heard the shattering of plastic over the walkie-talkie. Oh <laughs> just going, oh, so the drone didn't follow me then. No, the drone didn't see that there were some overhanging tree branches and just went VMAX into them. <laughs> got a confetti of carbon fibre. Um, um that, yeah. So you do you, you see the long cross? If you've ever been there, you just know it when you see it. It's used on TV and in adverts quite a bit, and it's it just doesn't look quite right somehow. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's like the road sort of it's a bit too wide. I think it's part of it. They've put road markings on one bit of it, and it's it's just a bit too wide. Yeah, there's not enough street furniture, and there's no it's no McDonald's litter. Unfortunately, there's no litter, and it just doesn't. It it's almost, but not quite. It's the same as as that place that's now um, been um, sold and and redeveloped. But the Transport Research Laboratory, or Transport and Road Research Laboratory in um, Crowthorne in Berkshire, which used to have. Sorry, I've just um, burped. If you heard that on the mic, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Ever Did so you sorry. burp last week? Or was it me? But anyway, it's just too much air inside the Britain's bag. leading source of car chat and burps, Smith and Sniff. There's a reason we're frequently number one in the podcast chart and it's it's not <laughs> i still can't it's, honestly I, I, st- I still can't believe that but um, i'm very very thankful for it um, uh anyway where we oh yeah no uh, trl um had a road network inside their sort of high speed not quite bowl that was all through woods and it was sort of looked like kind of b roads going through woodland and you saw stuff uh on tv that was filmed there and again didn't look quite right just something a bit creepy about it and off and not not realistic and i think it's they had yeah. too much road furniture because they used to test out new styles of crash barrier and, and traffic yeah. lights and mini roundabout and all sorts so everything was a bit too pristine and a bit over decorated it just sort of looked a bit wrong in in the last series of fifth gear i think it was i went to korea and we did we did a couple of features in korea mm. which was really exciting one of them was where we went to uh i think they call it the autonomous village where yeah. kia and hyundai testing out fully autonomous cars without human intervention oh there is human intervention but it's it's in other cars yeah and um <clears throat> i was being driven around by an autonomous car and this village is it's not really a village it's it's loads of really hastily put up buildings with vinyl vinyl wraps across the front so there there's what? there's pretend shops and pretend houses and and intersections crossroads and things and street markings and pedestrian crossings but it's all it's not it's not really real because you feel like you're in a modern spaghetti western with right. mobile, with pretend mobile phone stores and florists <laughs> and stuff. It's, I find it hilarious. I wasn't really allowed to take any photos in there because it's top, kind of top secret. But I did. Um, I did take a couple. And also, I realised I had to. I run. <laughs> I had to run away from the crew and and these these important people from Kia because I thought I just need the toilet. And then I realised <laughs> that there wasn't a toilet. So I thought I'd just run around the corner and have a sort of a wee down a side alley, but there isn't a side alley because because it's a pretend village and it's and they're all vinyl wrap shop fronts. And I also noticed that every sort of five shops they would repeat the vinyl wrap. So you go, hang on a minute, there was a jeans uh, shop round the corner with the same front. It's because it's just a vinyl wrap, Johnny. You're being thick. I thought you were going to say you came back and said to the people from Kia, "Oh, sorry about that. I just uh, popped off to uh, to use the loo," and they'd go. But there aren't any lavatories around here. Oh, oh, oh sorry. No. Um, we're going to have to change that vinyl wrap now. Um, um, well, there was a, there was a bit of that. <laughs> there was a bit of that. It was also. I think I've told this to you in the past before. I was in a. I was in an autonomous car that wasn't <laughs> quite working properly, and the, the test driver from Kia was who couldn't speak English and I couldn't speak Korean unfortunately he was in the driver's seat and I was in the passenger seat and we were waiting for the film crew to say set we're ready on the walkie talkie and I was so tired I actually fell asleep next to him <laughs> <laughs> and then I got woken up with the walkie talkie went okay action guys and I, I was fully asleep <laughs> it's quite actually thinking about it it was quite rude I was bloody tired yeah Mind you, a mate of mine once got a, a, a minicab at sort of like five in the morning or something to have to go to the airport. And um, and he was kind of dozing in the back of this Prius and stopped at some traffic lights. 
and he was sort of drifting in and out of sleep because he was really knackered and then he, he, he sort of half awake became dimly aware that there was somebody snoring and it was the driver of his the dr- taxi. The, dr- the driver? At some traffic lights, which were now on green, and the driver had nodded off at the lights. So my mate had to poke him awake. Oh, my god! Would you mind driving the car now, please? And then he said he very much did not sleep for the rest of the journey. He's thinking, <laughs> this bloke is, is going to fall asleep while we're moving. Well, if he's an Uber, do you not give feedback? You go, driver was nice, but asleep. But asleep, yes. <laughs> Driver snored a little bit, but otherwise great. Um, I was going to say, talking as you were about some Chobham slash Longcross and spooky Cold War stuff, it just reminded me of one of the most interesting places that uh, I've ever been in the course of filming. Years ago, we did a Top Gear item about communist cars, and we gathered together loads of of, um, of Soviet-era cars from all across Eastern Europe and Russia to see if any of them were actually any good. And we were looking for a location. I, think, I can't remember where we, we wanted to film it originally, and it was just we, we were struggling a bit. And we wanted somewhere a bit interesting, and I, and I suddenly remembered that Greenham Common Air Base, which I think is in Berkshire, uh, is still sort of exists. Like the runway, which was uh, one of I think one of the longest runways in Britain, Europe. It was really big because I think they want you know they want to drop B fifty twos and stuff onto it. And um, uh, has now been all dug up. Love Shack, to, obviously. Yeah. Yes, um, <laughs> it's a little-known place. Yes, is um, yes. yes. uh, Yeah, the, the the runway has all been dug up and returned to common land. So it's which is what it was before the airbase was built there. But the old sort of bunker things where they used to keep the nuclear missiles and a lot of the the, the sort of the old buildings of the base have declared a heritage site or something, and so they're oh. all fenced off. So you can't just wander in. We we had to book the place and pay for it, and and, and someone let us in. But um, it's all still there. These, you know, those sort of they're like little mounds, and they've got grass on top of them. But then actually, they've got these huge hydraulic blast doors that open up, and they 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 stored big scary missiles in there. But then behind that, sort of lower down, there were all these old buildings that were just just you know sort of offices and things, and and some of them like you were talking about had that kind of undergroundy bits and stuff biohazard stickers yeah and and you just go and poke around it it was yeah it's really interesting and a bit I love, spooky i love i love i love doing any that's why i love still trawling around abandoned you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Cars and you know f- fields with a load of crap dereliction in, which hopefully in 2021, Rich, we might be able to do a bit more of that. I quite enjoy it. And I, I, there's nothing more pleasurable than a walk where yeah. you stumble across a broken old car or van. <laughs> I, I, I find it deeply enjoyable. It's my idea of golf. I mean, some people say golf is a what is it? Wonderful walk, spoiled yeah, with good a good walk, sport, Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's my idea of of, of a perfect walk. And I've got a, a good of walk enhanced. Walk. Yeah, it is. By finding yeah, hey, on that note, uh, I've uh, we always talk about we want to do CSI tarpaulin where you and me just sort of wander around looking at cars that are under tarps on people's driveways <clears> and trying to Netflix. identify them and things. Netflix, Netflix. you've got our numbers. You've got our numbers. Yeah, <laughs> I've had a bit of a, a CSI tarpaulin uh, satisfactory breakthrough this week because okay. there's a house that I walk past sometimes that's got a car under a tarp on the drive and it's been really bugging me what it is i just could not figure it out and it's quite a long drive so the car's a little bit far away as much as it's probably sort of like two car lengths back up against the garage door under yep. a tarpaulin 
it's, you can't I couldn't quite figure get out the if there were other things on top of the car. The tarpaulin seemed a, a, a strange shape. And it's oh, just, this is it's, like the Christmas tray game that my mum insists we do every Christmas. Oh, what we have to Mis- guess what's under yeah, you a put tea mis- towel. You put mysterious things under a tea towel, and yeah. then you whip the tea towel off. You've got thirty seconds to guess what, what they all are. Then the tea towel goes back on, and you're allowed to carry on writing once the tea towel's gone back on. So I always try and memorise the height of all of the objects. So I go, <laughs> oh yeah, the high one. That's a hairbrush, and then that's a I don't know a, a Russian doll that, that's creepy, <laughs> and that's a, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Oh, that's the bottle of whiskey my dad hasn't ever drunk for 25 years because he doesn't like whiskey. <laughs> and yeah, but it's kind of like that, I think. Well, great news for me anyway, because I've got some satisfaction in this. The, the tarpaulin yeah. has, uh, it seems to have blown off a little bit and revealed underneath what appears to be a Ford Capri. Oh! With no glass. <laughs> oh, and I was going, that's ruined. That is ruined. What are you doing? Why are you cluttering up your driveway with this? And it's it's led me to think that the sister show of CSI Tarpaulin uh, should just be called Scrap It. And it's almost like an intervention show where you and I just go around people who have got these the, these ill-fated projects, in inverted commas, under tarpaulins on the driver. Uh, one day I'll get around to fixing it up. No, you won't. And anyway, it's not that interesting a car. Just throw it away. Come oh, on, right. we're going so to go with just, you to the scrapyard and we're going to throw it away and we'll give you £10. <laughs> Is that yeah. not like, that's a bit like what my friend Dan's 50 quid or fuck off uh, car buying <laughs> tactic, which is just very one-dimensional, unfortunately. <laughs> or um, James May wanted to do a show, and I think he was quite serious about this, called Antiques Bonfire. And it was like Antiques Roadshow, <laughs> except people brought along sort of old wooden furniture and he would look at it and go, actually, do you know, that's not interesting or worth money. On the bonfire it goes. <laughs> <laughs> On the basis that there's too much old tat in the world and it needs sorting out. I'd quite like... There is something quite... Um, well, uh, there is something very mentally healthy about um, kind of uh, ridding yourself of hoarding. And I, def- I definitely come from a family where that that's an issue. But... At the same time, I like the idea of the, the the sort of re-gifting. So windowless Capri might be rotten to the core, but windowless Capri might be a really fine donor to, <laughs> I don't know, another Capri person. Now, obviously, you could see that as handing a problem on to another person. Mm, yes. um, but at the same time, some people are very proactive. I've sold cars that I've never done anything with to people, and within two weeks of selling it, they've sent me pictures going, oh, yeah, I've already prepped it and repainted it. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh. Wow. Uh. You've done more in the, la- in the last week than, than has been done to that car in 30 years. That's brilliant. Also, just um, <clears throat> the, uh, the John Peel band name Klaxon went off there. Tonight, okay. in session, we've got three tracks from Windowless Capri. <laughs> um, we, I'd, love, I'd love to hear Windowless Capri. Windowless Capri. What, what sort of music would they do? I, for some reason, I, I, I can't get past seeing them as a sort of 80s, kind of like the Style Council. St- See, I always thought the Style Council were better than the Jam. What? Yeah. I've... I, 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 the jam were good. They weren't really. I mean, I was too young for the jam the first time around, so I, I got to know Paul Weller through Paul Weller just calling himself Paul Weller mm. um, and doing solo work. But um, yeah, I think the star Keitzel are. Um, Keitzel. Keitzel. I think Long Hot Summer's probably just, I don't know, it's just brilliantly cool. There's nothing better than listening to Long Hot Summer by the Star Council driving a classic car on a hot day. It's wonderful. Preferably an 80s classic car. One day I'd like to listen to that song through some paper cone speakers of an Astra GTE convertible. (laughs) (laughs) Just for for shits and giggles. Well, yeah. Awkward awkward Ermshire body kit. (laughs) Clearly only only been made with a set square. Can, um, Um, Can it have white wheel trims? Not alloys, wheel trims in white. Yeah, what about the windscreen wiper covers? Those those white oh, sleeves geez. that clipped sleeves. over. They were <laughs> sleeves. Just awful. Uh, look, we we have uh, said we were going to do some listeners' emails, and we've done one so far. Oh, <laughs> so we're we're absolutely. I was just going to read this one quickly from Alex Mills, uh, which is on a similar theme. He said, "We're listening to the recent podcast when he discussed the crown." I think he means the crane. 
Uh, generally, they're good at car selection. Uh, however, in the first season, set in the early 50s, they had a scene with a Series 2 Land Rover when it should have been a Series 1, well spotted. Also, they have a Paris-Dakar scene in the recent series of the Peugeot 504 with fake V8 sounds dubbed over the top, which is poor. Yes, that was a bit odd. Um, but he also gets on, in the addition, in the latest Crown episodes, you see them drive a lot on a private road at, I think, Bedford Autodrome. Uh, well, see, previous answer, Alex, uh, it's Longcross slash Chobham in Surrey is where it is. Uh, you normally see this filming location when a drama has a car crash scene, as it's probably easier than doing a car crash on an actual road. Yes, good point. Um, but it's not easier; it's just safer. <laughs> safer, say. yeah. It's very. It's not people hard get a bit to crash funny a car. about you. You. Have you ever intentionally crashed a car? You, you have on TV shows. I have sure. not personally intentionally crashed a car but but i have been around when it has been done yeah, a few yeah, times yeah. um yeah. and uh, you're suddenly reminded of the kinetic energy involved um the sound is scary. interesting yeah the sound is interesting isn't it it's, yeah. yeah have you ever seen you have seen a real crash test like a laboratory against a wall end cap style crash test, oh yeah I've, wi- I've witnessed i've witnessed end cap crashing um several times Volvo's Range Rover Velar just before it was actually launched. I was there for the NCAP test of it. And someone told me that it makes an extraordinary noise. Oh, it's real. And because it's mostly indoors, um, yeah. some of them are done outdoors, but indoors, yeah, it's incredible. I've watched numerous ones. I've watched the uh, Volvo XC90, the the new one, the, the one that's current now, mm. where they did the gully strike, which is one of the most brutal crashes, control crashes. It oh, was, did so you do that for fifth gear? Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. yeah, I think I've seen you doing that. Yes, yeah, so they drive into a ditch, don't they? It's really mad. Yeah, in fact, um, to, to prove it, um, it's not actual proof, really, because you can't see what I'm doing. But I do have on the windowsill of my office a chunk of the alloy wheel that shattered on that XC90 gully strike. The guy, the Swedish gentleman, said, yeah, you can take that. So I actually had the alloy wheel of a car that hadn't even gone into production yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so strictly speaking, I'd, I'd stolen some unsold car parts. But, yeah, um, I'm saying that and I can't find it. I'm now... It's okay. No one can see. No, I feel like I want to prove it. No, stop. I've got another email for you. You need to pay attention. Uh, Roger Roger Benest uh, says, Hello, gentlemen. Greetings from cold and snowy Edmonton, Canada. Uh, Hello, Roger. I I was only talking to my wife about Canada yesterday. Never been. and really want to go. Oh, it's great. Do you know, if if someone said, I'm afraid you can't be British anymore, you must be another nationality, I think I'd just go, oh, Canadian then. I think it looks great being Canadian. I, I think it it seems appealing. Um, it's like you that, get a lot of that kind of jazzy beatiness of being American, but without the awfulness. And it's like it's. <laughs> oh, I'll rephrase that, particularly considering my wife's American. <laughs> without the awfulness, without the brashness, without the sort Your of. Your children are half American. I know. Basically. I know they are. Um, I, I realised uh, that because we always have this sort of ongoing battle of words and the pronunciation of words in our house, and. Um, I realise I've lost it. I've lost the war on, um, or certainly lost the battle on um, how vitamin is pronounced because our kids say vitamin. Your children don't say vitamin. They do. Well, but oh, only because my wife's better at remembering to give them vitamins the vitamins. vitamins, and so she's the one who says the word more often. So she's won that one. But um, anyway, uh, oh, Robert, Roger Bennis says uh, a personal question for, for you. Richard. Do you have any memorable brackets hair-raising experiences driving in extreme cold or snow? Well, yeah. I mean, one of them was the v- Vectra VXR that I told you the story about, where my friend had to go for a for a roadside poo. That was a while ago now. Um, so there's that one. So yeah, it was fairly hair raising because it was quite snowy for the UK, and the car was ill suited to the job. Um, there's, I uh, um, yeah. Um, I got caught in quite a bad snowstorm once driving a. VW Beetle show car um, and again massively ill-equipped for the job I mean the Beetle's a good car in snow but this one had Porsche at the time the Porsche Boxster had just been released or not long released and mm. had Boxster wheels and tyres on it and quite a heavily modified engine that was a bit of a bottom twitcher um, <laughs> it was th- it was freezing fog too so it made it very tricky uh, <laughs> because it because the demisters weren't working I was driving it in skiing gloves 
so that was quite a hard call. Um, um, uh, oh, I know. <clears throat> Where I live, the road directly outside my house is not gritted, and we get some when we get snow. It's it just is just left. And although we don't in the UK, snow doesn't stay on the ground for long. It it's one time we stayed on the ground for maybe a fortnight, and. Um, I was out in my Honda Insight at the time, which has, I don't know, the tyres are about an inch thick because mm. it's an eco car. I went down the road in it, and it, it, it behaves really nicely, the Insight. It's obviously quite a light car. But I had it was that sickening feeling of I went into a corner and nothing happened on the steering oh, for what man. seemed like 12 seconds. And I did the, the worst thing possible, and I added another input, which, of oh, course... No. It's like a boat, apparently. When you change the rudder position and then you change it again, it remembers and it goes, oh, no, you did that position. I'm going to do that and then I'll do the other position. Yeah, like pushing and various buttons on a locked-up computer and then it, it freezes itself and goes, what, you wanted to type you 17 times and then return? <laughs> oh, and then exactly switch the web browser. Okay. That's exactly it. And I did that and, and I got into this awful um, little slapper in the Honda Insight. And, and the worst thing was, is I, as I was trying to climb out of this sort of snowy slapper, um, coming the other way, I noticed, was a car doing the same thing. Oh. And it was only, it was all only at about 30 miles an hour, but, but 30 on snow when you don't have snow tyres is actually quite awful. And I noticed we both were trying to correct and then correct and then correct. And I thought, we're going to either both end up in the ditch or we're both going to hit one another. And we ended up not doing either. It was remarkable. But when I drove <laughs> back um, about two hours later after where I'd been, I looked at the tyre the tracks of both the cars. It was hilarious. You just went, oh, there's a crash. No, it isn't. There's a crash. No, there isn't. There's a crash. No, there isn't. <laughs> I did that once uh, yeah. um, when I had that Jag XJR. I was driving home across London on main roads, and it was snowing quite heavily, but, you know, sort of main roads are trafficked enough that it was keeping it sort of clear. But then I wasn't really concentrating, that, and I just instinctively took a little shortcut down a back street that I always took, oh, yeah. and it was it was thick with un undisturbed snow that's and rare in really london cold really it's weird i think it's sort of it's fallen heavily and quickly and i i i just got into a where it, there was no control it was like oh not like the steering is not doing steering anymore and i, I sort of um, i kind of just eased off you were you were half asleep and you had yeah, and I was like, caught you just, out this is if i keep going down here i'm going to crash and there was there were no other cars around, but there were parked cars either side of it, and it was it was, it was like and quite a narrow road. And I was like, screw it, there's a there's a driveway there. I'm going to turn around. That's the safest thing to do. Go back to the main road and just head home on main roads. What? And in, in the course of turning around, I backed into this driveway, which is slightly uphill, and then the car just started sli- slithering down <laughs> into the roads and straight towards a parked what? car. And I just thought. I had time. There's a thing about accidents on snow and ice, isn't it? They're often they're, they happen so slowly, you've got time to sort of think, well, I'm now going to damage my car. And I had time to think, I'm going to have an accident. It's going to do some damage to my car and someone else's car. <sighs> right, well, I suppose I better ring the insurance company. How am I company. going to react to this? <laughs> yeah, no, I, sort of, I think I'd gone through all the, the stages of sort of anger, acceptance, loss, whatever it was. I was just, by the time it then... Because I was also like, don't don't input. I'd remembered just hands and feet off things because you're only going to make it worse. But I think I, I had yes. a slight bit of steering lock on, and it slithered. And this is all happening at like two miles an hour tops. It slithered and it slithered just behind this parked car, and there was a gap. And I was like, I'm not going to hit the parked car. Oh, but now I'm going to hit the curb and it's going to knock my fucking tracking off or something. Well, okay, I'll, that's what's yeah. going to happen now. And again, through all the acceptance of that. And then, amazingly, it just sort of uh, like a wedge of snow, I think, built up in front of the wheels, and it it came to a halt. What really softly? Really softly, it just stopped. And I remember just sitting there for ages, just going, <sighs> "I'm alive." 
the car's alive. There's no damage. And then I managed to, it took fucking forever and there was a lot of wheel spin, but I managed to extract it without <laughs> that bumping a, into anything. That's the, that is the walk of shame, but in a car, isn't it? <laughs> Trying to get off someone's drive. Oh, man. And the auto box is like selecting last gear. Yeah, I think we're nothing. in top. <laughs> Why is the speedo showing you, 57 making, miles an hour? You're making such a sheen on the snow from going yeah. nowhere. Oh, it's all horrible. Um, Roger, thank you for your email. I don't know how you cope. Well, I know how people in Canada cope the same way people in Scandinavia do because they, oh, hang they're on. used I, to it. They get I've on just, with it. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to use up the rest. Of, well, I'll tell you what, we'll do snow driving in another episode because I've realised there's, there's a couple more stories. There was one where they had that epic battle to get to Heathrow one day when Britain had its worst snowfall in years, and I had a, I had a what then was the brand new Jag XF on twenties. Yeah, oh. and lovely car though it was, it was a snow challenge of a day. It took me a full day to get to Heathrow. It was proper trains, planes, and automobiles spec. <laughs> I remember it um, being a lot of fun looking back. But we've had quite a lot of messages about some um, uh, 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 singers as, as as car engines. There's one here from Rob Gordon who says. Uh, I'm currently nailed to my desk. Uh, Florence and the Machine have just turned up on a Spotify playlist, having been watching far too many old rallies on the Splendid VHS Rallies YouTube channel. Oh, it occurs to me that she could <clears throat> also be likened to the rotary-powered Mazda RX-7 rally monster from the late 80s. Oh, yeah. Very good, yes. Yeah, Florence's an alarmingly light is a flywheel. The rapid blips up and down the rev range and the screaming to the red line are not entirely dissimilar to the renditions of the said Miss F. Not necessarily the most tuneful output, but very exciting nonetheless. Yeah, good call, Rob. Very good. He's also said Chris Isaac could be an old Merc R109-300SL with gentle (laughs) mumblings in the low rev range and slurred changes. (laughs) You don't seem to get very far, but the journey is quite pleasant. The occasional hard prod of the accelerator gets Chris up to the higher end of the rev range, but he's generally much happier (laughs) sub-3K. Oh, well, that wins for me just just on the the detailed description of the Chris Isaac-based straight-six Mercedes, which is, it is, it's smooth, but ultimately not a great driving vehicle in terms of performance. Yeah. Um, Um, I love that. I love Florence. Florence is totally a wankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I love that. Oh, isn't it? Um, uh, We had, there were loads of them on the YouTube channel as well, because uh, we put these podcasts up on YouTube. They're audio only. You don't get any video or anything like that, but um, but people seem to still listen to them that way. And there are comments. In fact, someone said last week that um, they listen to the podcast through a podcast player, but then go onto the YouTube channel to to, to read and add to the comments. So that's do they um, interesting? Yeah, that's um, wonderful. Bloody hell! There's a there's a comment from a, a guy called Tom Lanigan, which I absolutely loved, which is about because we were talking about the madness of car owners clubs the other week. And, and yes, that's definitely it, your next book. He's written one uh, about he bought. Um, uh, he said back in the day when it was a straight financial choice between an immaculate 911 3.2 Carrera or a similar condition 928 S2, I bought the 928. I attended a Porsche Owners Club event at Brands Hatch. Nobody would speak to the 914 owners. The air cooled owners wouldn't speak to the water cooled owners. The air cooled RS owners wouldn't talk to the Carrera owners. The air cooled RS lightweight owners wouldn't talk to the RS touring owners. And one what? Porsche owner had decided to bring another car from his collection, a Ferrari 512BB. Uh, he had the two clamshells raised and was happily talking to a few of us. Most others stayed inside, showing no interest at all. <laughs> what? That's brilliant. Did you say I decided one event in... was enough for me. Club members are a strange group. Thank you, Tom. That's very funny. So, um, so you're you're supposed to be bringing a community together through mutual appreciation of the mm. same mark, but that's not the case. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. Okay. Um, as a, I know I was going to do uh, singers and engines, but I love some of these comments. Bispol, someone calling themselves Bispol, has said, regarding uh, Prince Charles's Granada, I've heard he really liked them and always bought them in gear trim, but insisted on the GL seats as he preferred them. A friend of a friend who knew Charles bought a Granada gear, as Charles recommended one. Is this a real is this, story? Is this true? I, I sincerely hope would this you, is true. Would you really recommend the Ford Granada, Your Highness? Yes. Um, <laughs> however, when he... So the friend of a friend uh, asked for GL seats too and was told it wasn't possible and his request could not be accommodated, to which he replied, you did it for my friend, which was met with, we didn't. Who's your friend who claims to have them? <laughs> Prince Charles, he replied. He got his GL seats. <laughs> he, he, he got the GL Seriously, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 yeah. so, so, just when we think somebody's just retrofitted seats from a scrapyard, 
it's yeah, actually it, been, it, it was a dealer fit. Um, do you know That's who else great. gets some um, off-menu seats put in their car? Is um, is Paul McCartney? Because um, in recent years, Paul McCartney has been driven around in a Lexus LS, but he's obviously he's a very committed vegetarian and he doesn't want leather seats. So Lexus UK specially have him made a UK spec LS, but with the cloth seats that you can usually only get in Japan. That's wonderful. I know. So if you ever want... see a Lexus LS, a recent shape Lexus LS at an auction or, or a dealer, and it's got cloth seats, and you think this doesn't seem right, uh, you are probably buying one of Paul McCartney's old cars. That's really cool. I hope that's in your book or not. It's not. God damn it. Oh, well, you idiot. Just rip them all up and start yeah, again. Yeah, that's it. If, if, you, if you've bought one today, uh, as soon as you heard this podcast, um, <laughs> send it to me and I'll write it in in biro. Or we'll just wait till volume three, which seems inevitable will happen one day, probably not for a while. Um, look, we should wrap things up. But first no. of all, I just want to do some things. Barry White, Viper V10, says Alistair Niche. That's, Barry that's White Viper V10. Viper that V10. is actually. I, yeah. But is it always on know, idle? But they're a bit lumpy, aren't they? Barry White's quite smooth at the top end, and I don't know that Vipers on, are. Well, what's um, really... I'm wondering whether Barry White would be a clattery Cummins diesel. No, he's, uh, he's smooth. He's oh, he's smooth. So Sorry, smooth. I, I just take that right back. Sorry. I'm trying to think of a very low-revving but smooth big engine because it's got to be a big oh, engine. Like, you know, so, Barry White was a bit of a unit. I mean, one of those, one of those like cargo ship engines that's got you know, each piston's like 12 feet across oh yeah yeah like they submarine do, they sort of like 2 rpm but I don't know how smooth they are no they're I easy. don't like, romp, what about romp, the Scania romp. the Scania the Scania maybe um, some truck stuff um, yeah Chris the snail driver on YouTube says David Byrne definitely an Austin Metro automatic going up and down a few hills <laughs> <laughs> so now wait so now this is more gearbox specific isn't it because it's a perfectly okay engine but it's mated yeah. to a dis- dismal box yeah so, um, Oliver Braithwaite says Noddy Holder and a BDA certainly share the same 70s induction roar that's oh, good yes that's, a, that's very good Noddy, Noddy Holder, Holder is, is totally a BDA, BDA. Baby, really baby, baby, baby. That's um, brilliant. Love that. Yeah, these these are good. These are, I really enjoy these. Um, uh, I'll do one more, and then we really should. Stop. Well, I'll tell you what, we can always carry these on because I mean I'm enjoying them. I don't know if I, I, else yeah, is. I have a feeling that. Um, okay, the final one just uh, this because this made me chuckle. Jason Arthur's on YouTube says Marky e. Smith of the Four is definitely a very poorly Honda melody. <laughs> A melody. That's a scooter. That's the scooter, isn't it? <laughs> a Mister re- Pharmacist. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's really. I, good I mean, Marky Smith. I don't even. That, that's as good as I can think of for Marky Smith. He has a, a distinctive voice. Uh, definitely. Um, it's a damaged moped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. This is the four, and after that, more from damaged moped. Um, <laughs> Any oh, it does Look. make me laugh. This does. I've definitely drunk too much coffee. Uh, yeah, well, this has been a, a strange and significant milestone in the recovery of my um, from my hangover. But anyway, are you, are you all right? Are you free from the shackles? I feel a, a bit, bit now? better now. Yeah, probably. If I go and have some lunch and something, I could. Yeah, I might be all right. Anyway, look. Um, thank you ever so much for listening. Thank you for your emails, smithandsniff at gmail dot com, or leave a comment on the YouTube page. We do read all of them, and one day we'll try and read out more than like two in one episode when we're claiming that we're going to go through a load of emails. Sorry, we got a bit sidetracked as usual. Anyway, I have three things to tell you. Number one, Johnny has a solo YouTube channel called The Late Break Show. It's got lots of excellent videos for your delight, including a uh, wonderful look at his wife's Nissan Figaro, which is oh, yeah. uh, went up last week. Also, don't forget there is Late Break Show slash Car Pervert merch uh, to be bought with Christmas coming up and all that. Speaking of which, number two, second thing I have to tell you is I have a new book out today. Yay! It's called yeah. uh, Boring Car Trivia Volume 2 by Sniff Petrol. It's available exclusively on Amazon as a paperback or an ebook. It's uh, full of very, very obscure and quite dull bits of information about cars. If you ever wondered what they were going to call the Land Rover Defender and then thought better of it, that's in there. Do you want to know who designed the FSO Polonaise? It might surprise you. Uh, that's in there too. You Les Dennis. Buy the book to find out. Oh God, you're giving it away. Sorry, idiot. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, the third thing I have to tell you is that uh, Manchester Acid House classic Voodoo Ray by a guy called Gerald was based around a sample of Peter Cook shouting Voodoo Rage 
but a guy called Gerald Sampler couldn't accommodate all of the clip and cut it off. Seriously? Ray, and that is how the song got its name. That's brilliant. See, I, I, I'm not just about boring. I love that track as boring well. Music track. It's great, isn't it? I was just it's a really, to really good chilled out. Yeah, oh, it's fabulous. Oh. Well, uh, that's oh, what I was that's recommending. So to retrospective, you uh, got me, uh, got me getting dewy eyed over early '90s dance now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the end of uh, this week's Smith & Sniff. We'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, please go and buy my book. Please go and buy Johnny's merchandise. And then go and listen to Voodoo Ray by a guy called Gerald, because it's ace. Goodbye. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.